hey, how about that? It works. Um, we're having all kinds of technical things. Boom. <laughs> well, want to advance one? Okay, here we go. Three parts. Part one is giving. Giving a correction with gentleness and compassion is a way to serve others, actually. Two, receiving. When you receive a correction, say thank you and refuse to defend yourself. And part three, growing. Those who desire Christ-likeness will welcome a correction and appreciate those who have the courage to confront them. Well, that's the end of the message, so if you don't get anything else, you can, you can quit now. You get it all in one minute. You know, um, giving encouragement is like giving out candy. It just feels good. I like giving it. People like receiving it. And that's helpful to people. But there's another side of this. There's also maybe correcting another person. And you know what? Correction is painful to give and painful to receive, but it may be necessary. So correcting is like Removing the splinter from the hand of a friend. You know, you get a splinter and you think, I just, I'm not going to pick it out, it's going to hurt too much, and you leave it in there for three days and you think, I've got to pick it out, but I can't do it, you need help. And finally you get it out of there, and then it can start to heal. Giving someone a correction is like that, and it takes skill to deliver a loving correction. You know... Um, Correction is not the same thing as criticism. Criticism is I'm trying to bash you for something, and maybe you've irritated me, and so that, that's something different. Correction is done in a way to serve others. Um, a long time ago, I used to host a conference, and I asked people to do workshops, and one of the guys I asked was a mentor of mine. He's about 10 years older, and he gave this workshop at the conference, and as soon as he was done with his workshop, Two or three guys came up to me and they said, do you know what he said in there? I said, no. He said, he said this and this and this. And once he said that, we couldn't listen to him anymore. He offended us. Okay, so I'm thinking to myself, what should I tell my friend who I've invited to give the workshop? You know, I don't have to tell him. He'll never know. I could just avoid the whole thing, just forget it. And as I thought about it, really the only reason not to tell him is to protect myself. And I thought, you know, it's kind of selfish of me. I'm just thinking about me. And as I thought about this further, if he offended people during that workshop, he could do the same thing next week, next month, next year. He would repeat the same simple mistakes, which could be stopped right here. So as I thought about it, I thought the only reason to tell him is for his benefit. So that... Um, he could help him, help him find a blind spot. It was servanthood. It's a way to help him. So I set him down. We were talking, and I said, you know, I have some feedback to give you. I don't really want to, but here's what came through. And he sat there silently. He didn't criticize those who were offended. He could have said, they're too thin-skinned. They just got to grow up. He didn't say that. He could have said, well, what I said was right. He didn't say that. He didn't defend himself. What he said was, thank you. Thank you. He says, uh, I was out of line. Proverbs 9, 8, do not reprove a scoffer lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Something happened in my relationship with him that day. 
Something good, actually. And you think of the first part of this verse, how could a scoffer hate you? Well, he may discredit you, may something like, who are you? you? You know the problems you've got in your life? He could have said, I was right. Could have said, you're too flawed to be correcting me. You've got so many of your own problems. What do you do? Take the log out of your own eye. He could say that. So I need to be cautious if my primary motivation in correcting someone is because they frustrate me. If I'm correcting someone because they frustrate me, it's really about me again. So I need to get past that and think about what's the best thing for them. Correction is not to punish someone. It's a way to serve. It's a way to help another person grow. I correct someone because I care for them. And if it's for some other reason, I don't know what it is. It's the wrong reason. And probably it's best done if it's in private. They, their heart's more open. If you do it in public, then you've got an audience, and shame may close their heart from actually listening to what you have to say. So I'd say, if, if you get in your mind, that person needs to know about this, consider your motives, plan carefully, pray for the right time, and proceed with grace. Proceed with grace. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. How about that? A friend wounding another one. That's what I did to my friend a little bit when I told him. I was, it was a little painful for him to hear that. He'd rather hear this glowing encouragement, but I had a hard word for him, and he benefited from it. You can give correction in a non-threatening way. The person is much more likely to receive it. Once they feel threatened, sometimes the heart goes closed. I'm going to share the concept of um, 10 levels of intensity when communicating. So let's say that I come up to you and I say, you might think about this someday. That's like a level one communication. Or I could come up and say, you know what, you really need to consider this. Or I could come up and say, you know what, you were so wrong on that, you need to get your head straightened out and you need to pay attention here. So I could go from a whisper to anger, increasing intensity with everything I say. So here's the thing. You, uh, you may say to someone something you think is a whisper, and what they hear is a shout. You think you're talking at level one. What they hear is at level 10. So I could come up to someone and say, are you gaining weight? Well, if they've been trying to lose weight, that really hurts. And they might be thinking, well, goodness, if this person noticed it, maybe everybody noticed it. Maybe I'm getting fat. So that one comment can spin off a whole bunch of other stuff. So I need to be careful what I say. On the other hand, it could be reversed. There are some people who will not hear you unless you're at level 10. You can whisper, you can increase the intensity to 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, on up. It just goes over the head. They don't pay any attention. They have to have, you've got to hit them in the head to get their attention. So you may speak with a whisper, what they hear is a shout. Or you may shout at them, and what they hear is a whisper. Years ago, in another church, in another time, I was a Sunday school teacher. And I had this um, couple in class. And after about four weeks of the class, man, she had good things to say. <clears throat> We'd ask a question. She had good comments. And I noticed her husband was sitting over there like this. He looked, never said a word. And the next week's the same, next week's the same. And so... I took this guy, I said, hey, can we talk after class for a minute? And uh, 
I said, you know, I've noticed you have good things to say, but I don't think your husband can keep up with you. You have more words than he has. He's a deliberate internal thinker. What would happen if you dial back about 25% and turn to him and say, Sam, I think you've got some good comments to share with the group. Why don't you go ahead? She could draw him out. That's all that was said. Well, her mother told me that she went home and cried and cried and cried that night. She thought, what kind of a wife am I? If I'm dominating my husband, am I dominating my children too? Do I do that to my friends? Do I just talk all the time? Well, that was 20 years ago. I went to a funeral in that church 20 years after that happened, and this person came up to me and she said, do you remember when you pulled me aside after Sunday school class? And I said, I don't, re- I don't remember much about it. Tell me about it. She, told me, she relayed this story to me. And she teared up. And she thanked me for correcting her 20 years before. She said she went from being a dominating woman to one who was committed to building her husband. He became an elder in that church. He learned to speak up because his wife helped him to learn to speak up. And she said, no one has spoken into my life for the last 20 years. She says, I long for that to happen again. I need help with my blind spots. I'm thinking a one-minute, one-minute conversation could change the direction of a marriage. Wow, I'm thinking, suppose I hadn't said anything. I didn't want to. I don't want to. We have the privilege of helping others through blind spots. They don't see them. My friend didn't see it with the conference. This lady didn't see what she was doing. They just don't see it. Correction may be a matter of sin. I may be able to pull up my Bible and say, according to this verse, you're sinning. But oftentimes it's not sin. It's just a mannerism that's irritating. They're doing something that's harming them. People are running away from them for something. Um, It could just be something simple. It works best if there's a relationship. Probably won't work very well with strangers. In most cases, it should come from the closest friends. And you know there's risk in doing it. And every time I think about this, I have to tell you, I'm terrified. I'm thinking, I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to confront the person. I, don't want, I do not want to do it. I'm very clear on that. On one hand, I could say, I don't know them well enough. Some of their good friends should do that. On the other hand, if it's a good friend of mine, I say, I know them too well. This could damage our friendship. So whether I know them well or don't know them, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It might not go well. Maybe they won't say thank you. Maybe they'll say, I hate you, just like the scripture says. They could misunderstand my intent. This could damage our relationship from that point forward. But is this about me or about helping them grow? Am I willing to risk it? We have an obligation to help people through blind spots. This is what the body of Christ does. It's more than just having coffee. It's entering into other people's lives in tough areas. The scriptures say some interesting things. Three verses. Here's the one and a half verse. Proverbs 9-7. He who corrects a scoffer, and some translations say fool, gets dishonor for himself. He who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer lest he hate you. But then the next part of these verses is just beautiful. It says, reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Here's just a thought for you to think about. As you think about your friends, 
Do some of them fit in the top half of this verse? Do some of them fit in the bottom half of this verse? Sometimes you can kind of tell. You can kind of tell if they're open or closed. But here's the tougher question. What do some of your friends think about you? Would they put you in the top half of this verse, this, these verses, or the bottom half? Ouch. You see, for me, to, I have to open the door from the inside. Nobody can pound on the door. I have to, open the, I have to be open and ready and receptive. When your primary concern is the other person, you must consider the timing of a correction. You see, I need to watch and wait and pray for the most receptive time. It's possible to waste an opportunity by rushing forth at the wrong time. You know, I could, I could say, hey, I'm finally ready to tell them. And it's a day that they're, they're crushed by work. They're just so frustrated. They're not very, very receptive. I say, I'm ready to do it now. I come out, and they're discouraged. Something's happened to them. Maybe they're, whatever, they'd just be discouraged, or they could be angry. So here's this. Think about this. A wise farmer prepares the soil before he plants the seed. He just doesn't go out and plant it in January because he's got free time. He waits till the soil's the right temperature, it's got the right moisture, it's the right time of year. A wise farmer prepares the soil before planting the seed. And when you talk about correction... Consider the condition that you're planting this in. You need to pray. This is spiritual work. Uh, several years ago, my son, he'd got a different house, and he thought he should paint this and paint that. And he said, would you come down and help me paint? And I said, great. So I go down there, and he's, he, we're taking off all the doors, and we got them in the garage, and we're painting them. And his, uh, his six son was six years old at that time, and he came out, and he said, Daddy, Daddy, can I help you paint? And he says, no, get back in the house. I'm watching this. Okay. So about two hours later, his six-year-old son comes out and says, Daddy, Daddy, I, can I come out and help? And he says, no, I told you to get back in the house. It was like level nine communication. So in the afternoon after lunch, the grandson came out, and nobody was watching him. He picked up a paintbrush. It didn't, didn't have any paint in it. And he started going with a dry brush, just paint, acting like he's painting on the wall. And he dropped the brush between the cabinet and the wall, and we couldn't get it. And my son went off the chart. We couldn't get this paintbrush. He said, I told you to get out of here. I want you to get back in the house. Do not come out here again. And I'd been thinking, I'm waiting for the right time. I need to say something. Do I keep my mouth shut? Anyway, it came out of my mouth. I said, you know, if that's your attitude, you're going to chase him away from you. As a matter of fact, you're going to get your way, and he'll stop coming around. I didn't plan my words carefully. After I said it, I thought, I wish I hadn't said such. I wish I'd have waited until a more opportune time. For the rest of the day was silence. There was tension. A week later, he called me. And he'd been preparing for a Sunday school class on parenting. And he just watched this DVD. And the DVD was about how you talk to your kids. And he was almost in tears. I could tell it on the phone. He said, you know what? He says, thank you for calling me out on that last week. And what happened is that seed needed time to germinate in him. I wasn't going to harvest it the day that I said it. But I realized God was at work in his It wasn't me. God was preparing him for something that I wasn't even aware of. 
So it could be that your words may be a significant part of what God's doing in someone's life. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but a week later I can say, good grief, God's working in his life. I just happen to be a, an ignorant helper in that. You may assume the tension is between them and you. The real tension is between them and God. And you think, well, I don't know that my words are wise enough to be God's words in somebody. I didn't know that. But you, it may be. Give the things time to germinate. Give people grace. Give them tenderness. Give them time to consider your words. Do it with love. Actually, giving a loving correction is like being a surgeon of the soul. You're dealing with people's inner being and thoughts. And like, wow, I don't know if I... I I don't want that job. You know what? You have an obligation for that job. You might be the only person who can address that issue in their life. And if you don't do it, it goes unaddressed. Your words may cut deeply. Our goal is to plant a loving, thoughtful correction deeper in their heart. Seldom is a hasty, angry correction helpful. I'm kind of surprised what I said in the painting job was very helpful because I didn't say it in a very good tone. I was frustrated with him. I spoke out of frustration. It may be best to hold your tongue. And it's especially tough to do within families. I may do this at work. I may do it with somebody else. But when it comes to my family, my kids, parents, brothers, sisters, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, cousins, because if you say something and it goes wrong, they may hate you. You know, that's pretty scriptural. They may hate you for it. You may have to live with that for a long time. But maybe this is God's word. It may help them. They may love you for a long time because no one else has had the courage to step in and address something. We're going to shift to part two, which is receiving a correction. We talked about giving one. Receiving is shorter, and the last third is even shorter yet. This is kind of fascinating. Executive leaders pay consultants to examine their leadership tile and make suggestions. You know, they hire people to come in and say, tell me what I'm doing right, tell me what I'm doing wrong. They pay for that. Good leaders pay people to correct them. When someone gives you a correction, they make you aware of how other people see you. So you don't know how you look to other people, but they're helping you. You may don't want to hear it. That doesn't mean it's not true. And you don't even have to pay for it. You didn't have to hire them. Friends do this for each other. Um... Several years ago, I was going to Colorado with a guy, and we left in the afternoon, couldn't get there in one day. We stopped, we got a hotel room. We got in this hotel room late at night, and uh, I got in there, and the sheets didn't look like clean sheets to me, and the bathroom had stuff in it. And I thought, I'm going to tell the manager and we leave this place. He needs to know. Because if he, if he doesn't know, having a dirty room is going to hurt his business. So for me to tell him, it's helping him. So we checked out the next morning, and I said, is the manager here? Yeah. So a guy came over, and I said, I just thought you'd want to know this. When I pulled back the sheets, the sh they, they looked crinkled, and I got to look, and there was a couple of hairs there in the bed. I don't think they changed the sheets. And when I went in the bathroom, there was trash in the trash can. I thought, I don't think they emptied the trash can. And the, and the wash rag looked like somebody had taken a bath, wadded it up, and it was sitting on the edge of the bathtub in, in a crump like this. I said, I don't think they changed the towels and sheets. And I thought, ah, I'm doing a favor for this guy. He should appreciate it. So we go on and leave, and uh, we get down the road about an hour. 
And my friend turns to me in the car and he says, you know what you, what you said to that manager back there? Yeah, I, I told him. He says, what you said was true, but it had a bite to it. It was kind of nasty. It was just kind of in his face. He could have hit me in the head with a brick. It wouldn't hit me any harder than that. I thought, is that how I come across with a manager? How about with people I love? How about other people? It caused a system-wide evaluation. How do I talk to people? His one sentence set me off in a whole different direction. I sat there and I thought, what he said can't be true. I don't talk that way. And I thought, well, it must be true. He wouldn't lie. Well, he wouldn't lie. That's how I'm perceived by others. And I said, thank you. I, I need that. So if somebody gives you a correction, whether you think you delivered or, uh, deserve it or not, be grateful. Be grateful. Let your first words be, thank you. Don't start justifying yourself for crying out loud. Because once you start to preparing your defense, you're not listening anymore. The door's closed. I've said, keep out. This is too sacred. You don't get in here. Don't tell me stuff like it. I don't want to hear it. Don't do that. Open the door wider. And something else you could do is um, don't get angry. Some people get angry. I don't know if you've ever heard of Leo Tolstoy. He wrote some big, thick books. This is one of his, War and Peace. I've got so many pages in, I can't believe it. But Tolstoy lived in the middle 1800s. He spoke 13 languages. How is that even possible? Who's got a brain like that? That doesn't make sense to me. But here's what Leo Tolstoy said. If you have to be right, then you cannot confront your sins. When others reveal your mistakes and sins to you, the worst possible response is anger, which becomes just one more sin. You know, he was thinking about this 150 years ago, being receptive to the corrections and rebukes from others. So part one was giving a correction with gentleness and compassion as you serve others. Part two is when you receive a correction, just say thank you. Don't defend yourself for crying out loud. And part three is growing from a correction. So here, here's an interesting question for you to think about. Would you rather stay at the same level for the next 20 years? Or would you embrace painful growing opportunities? Because it may come from your friends around you. If your intent is to protect your self-image, I want to hide my flaws. I don't even want to acknowledge them to myself. And if somebody points them out to me, I might get mad at them. I'd say, you're wrong. Who are you to judge me? You got, you got your own issues. The Bible calls that kind of response a scoffer and a fool. I don't want to be in that top category of those verses I showed you? I need to move to the bottom. So you must decide which is more important, protecting your image today or growing into a more mature person tomorrow. Pretty simple, really. Am I going to welcome a correction? You probably can't do both. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. Excuse me, 139, 23, and 24. Just think about this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. That's pretty scary right there. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. I could say my sinful thoughts, my selfish thoughts, my other shameful thoughts. Know, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me. I got a lot of hurtful ways in me. 
and lead me in the everlasting way. God, would you do something to get me out of this mess? Can you come to the point of standing naked before God, inviting him to come into all your mess and correct you? And here's the kicker. He might use another person to do that correction. You might find it in the Word. You can do that. That happens. You might find it in a sermon. That happens. You might find it somewhere else. That happens. But most often, it comes from the people around you who are telling you stuff you don't want to hear. And you know, here's the crazy thing. The Lord can use people younger than you to correct you. As a matter of fact, He can use people more sinful than you to correct you. As a matter of fact, He can use angry and harsh people to correct you. He could use proud and arrogant people to correct you. Maybe they don't do it with love and tenderness, but you've got to listen for the kernel of the truth in what they say. The Lord could use Christians and non-Christians to correct you. He could use people you don't even like. So what? You have to give them a certain qualification before you listen to them? Thank them. Thank them, even if they appear to be an unqualified messenger, because I need it. I need it. So I could say, Lord, I yield to you. Send whomever you wish to correct me. I need it. I have blind spots. One tender area is Ooh. Lost. What's the role of a husband or a wife in correcting you? This is getting tough. You see, we live together, and the person who knows my weird junk the best is my wife. And I don't want to shut her down. I could say, she could respond by saying something, and I could respond level 10. I don't want to hear that. And she could just say, well, fine. I've learned my lesson. I don't have anything else to say to you. you just, you're on your own. I just happen to have a gentle wife who occasionally gives me correction. She speaks in a level one, and I could, I could dismiss it, but I need to listen. I tell her, thank you. I need your help. Keep after me. When you see something else, don't let it slip by. And here's the deal. Even if she's wrong once in a while, I don't want to silence her. She's my best helper. Don't defend yourself. Don't justify yourself. If you think she's wrong, so what? You've got to, you've got to clear her up. Just take it. Say, thank you. As you get older and more mature, the number of people willing to correct you and confront you decreases. There's only a handful of people around you right now who has the courage to confront you. There's only a handful of people in your life who will do this. You can't afford to drive them away, and you can. It's easy to drive people away. Those few people are too precious and too valuable for you to drive away. I cannot afford to lose even one of them. Those people are precious. They're rare. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Whew, that's about men. It's about women. Iron sharpens iron, so one woman sharpens another. That could work that way, too. But how about this one? Iron sharpens iron, so a husband sharpens his wife. How about this one? Iron sharpens iron, so a woman. Excuse me, I had these turned around. A wife sharpens her husband, a husband sharpens his wife. Just say thank you. Don't defend yourself. Just quit it. Just be receptive. Open the door. Um, I think 
we think, how do we, how do we grow in spiritual maturity? I think one way is to be grateful for correction. A change of heart. I'm willing, I'm open. The mature person is engaged in change. Surrender to God with an attitude of repentance. And welcomes the opportunity to address a, a blind spot. I don't know what I don't know. I could make the same mistake with everybody I know. I need somebody to help me. As we get older, we should not become more brittle, but more pliable and malleable. As we age, our pace of growth should not slow down, but increase and accelerate. In our senior years, we should be not be less responsive to correction, but more so. Think about that. It isn't that we've got it all figured out and we don't want to hear it anymore. Oh, no. We're going to be more hungry for help. So in summary, part one was giving a correction with gentleness and compassion is a way to serve others. It is. Receiving a correction, when you receive one, just say thank you. I need the help. Don't defend yourself. And part three, it's part growing. Those who desire Christ-likeness will welcome a correction and appreciate those who have the courage to confront them. Now, it may be possible you've never heard a message like this before. I'm not the first guy to come up with it. Leo's Tolstoy did it 150 years ago. But I was reading some prayers of some Puritans from the 1700s, and I'm reading this, and I'm going, good grief, they stole my message. Somebody was thinking about it long before me. So I'm going to close with a, a, a prayer from the 1700s. And I stripped out the King James language and kind of modernized it to today's language. But people were praying about this 300 years ago. This isn't new stuff. And after I'm done, Ryan's going to come up. So I'm going to go through this slow, so think about this. Teach me to welcome corrections from friends. 300 years old. Even when I think that I do not deserve them. Help me to see a rebuke from others as correction from thy hand. Use them to bring me to spiritual maturity and towards Christ's likeness. May I see corrections from others as evidence of thy love for me and thank you for each one. Let's pray and then Ryan will come up. Father, we thank you. <laughs> thank you that we can, we want to respond like the wise person who loves people who'd come to us and correct us and give us the grace to know how to do this with others. This is like new territory. We have the privilege of helping one another grow toward maturity in your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Ryan, I think you're up.